on. What a weekend to be in God's house. Amen. Amen. Well, let me say welcome to all of our services happening all weekend long. Fort Myers, Bonita Springs, our Gateway location. Welcome to all of you. And man, I am so pumped because this weekend we are launching our all-in series. I won't say all-in. Our all-in series. And I'm excited because uh, the tagline to this series is this. I, mean, I think we actually have it. Uh, if you can throw it up on the screen. I want you to see this, everybody. Here's the tagline of this idea of going all-in for God. It says this. You are one decision. Everyone say one decision. You are one decision away from a whole new life. Come on. It's true, isn't it? Think about it. We are one decision away from a whole new life. Now, let me, let me just say this by way of introduction. So this idea of being all in uh, is for some of us uh, who maybe have been around poker or gambling, uh, which is not me, uh, but, but you recognize this phrase because in, in, in card games, in poker, as I understand it, there's this moment in time where, where someone will push all their chips to the center of the table and, and they will say that they are going all in, I guess, <laughs> apparently. But, but So let me, <laughs> let me see if I can find a couple more relatable illustrations for us church folk. Okay, can we do that? So, okay, so like think about a swimming pool. That, you know, it, there's, when it comes to a swimming pool, it's not possible to be half in. Like you can't have like, you can't like be, you're either all in or you're all out, right? Like it's like swimming or, or uh, getting married. You, there's no halfway of getting married, right? You're either all in or you're all out. Or so, so throughout life, here's what I want to understand. Throughout life, there are all in moments where you take a job. And you say, you know what? I'm going to sign the contract. I'm going all in on this job or this career. There's, there's moments where you get married or you buy a home and you sign the mortgage and you go all in. Well, well here's the deal. Life is filled with all in moments. But God wants us to go all in for him. Come on, say all in again. All in. God wants us to go all in for him. And church, listen, it starts today. Because God wants us to live as his followers, all in. And so this weekend, I want us to, to look at a story in the Bible where Jesus challenges his disciples to go all in in a whole new way. And this is a story actually that several weeks ago while Sarah and I were on sabbatical, we took six weeks off this summer and it was just amazing. And God just spoke to our hearts and, and just downloaded so much vision and revelation and perspective and, and things from his word into our hearts. And so uh, several weeks ago, I was reading through the gospels. God said to me, Matt, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the gospels, keep it simple and teach my people. And so, church, I'm just telling you that's what we're going to do, okay? We're going to read the Gospels, we're going to keep it simple, and we're going we're gonna to teach uh, the people of God. Because, because, and so, so turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Turn with me, click with me. Mark chapter 8, if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app, that's okay. Uh, the verses are going to be on the screen with me. You'll be able to track there along. Because in Mark chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples are at the, at the height of their ministry. So they're traveling from city to city to city, ministering and, and praying for people, seeing God do healings. Like this is the height of their ministry time, Jesus' ministry on earth. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, we find this story where Jesus calls his disciples and those around him listening to a whole new level of all in. Let's begin reading in verse 27. Here's what it says. Jesus and his disciples 
went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. So they're just traveling, and they get to this place called Caesarea Philippi. On the way, Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? So they're just cruising along, going from one village to another to another. And so while they're on their way to Caesarea Philippi, Jesus says in conversation to his disciples, hey, what's the word on the street? What's everybody saying about me? What's everybody, what's, what's it, who, are, who are people saying that I am? Verse 28, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, you know, say, well, just, well, you know, one of the prophets. And then Jesus brings it down. He makes it personal. He says, okay, I understand what others are saying. What about you? What about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? And so Peter, who was kind of the big mouth of the group, Peter, who was kind of the, one of the ring leaders of the group, in the next verse, Peter answers Jesus in the question. And he says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the chosen one of God. And Jesus, in another gospel, it says that Jesus was like, that's right, Peter. You nailed it on the head. Like, you got it right. And then look what it says. Jesus warned them. Okay, don't, don't tell anybody about me. Then, verse 31, check this out. Jesus changes the tone. He then began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man, speaking of himself, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, by the chief priests, the teachers of the law. So all the big dogs of the day are going to reject him. And he must be, look how extreme he gets, killed and three days later rise again. He spoke plainly about this. So one minute they're cruising along. He's like, what's the word on the street? Oh, people say this, that, the other. He said, well, who do you think? Peter's like, oh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one, the anointed one. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's right. And then he, he kind of changes the tone. And he starts to describe what's ahead, how difficult it's going to be, and how the, the leaders of the day are going to reject him. The leaders of the day are going to push against him. The, the, he's going to face this rejection, this suffering, to the point that he's actually going to die. And look at Peter's response, verse 32. When Jesus starts to talk about the hard stuff, the Bible says that Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking God? Well, what's, what's going on? What happened? Here's what I believe happened. Peter was getting caught up in the soft benefits of following Jesus. That Peter's been cruising around city to city, village to village, and awesome stuff's happening. This is fun. Following Jesus is amazing. People are getting healed every day, every single weekend. There's, there's new teaching every day. We're sitting at Jesus' feet. We have these great worship services. The coffee and donuts, I mean, food is free. It's amazing. Large crowd, we're in overflow in places. We get to go to cool places and travel. And Peter starts thinking to himself, I could get used to this. This is awesome. Serving Jesus is fun. Following Jesus is fun. So when Jesus starts to talk about how hard it's going to be to follow him, Peter doesn't want to hear that part. So, so Jesus starts talking about suffering and, and persecution and rejection. And then he starts talking about being put to death. And Peter is like, um, Jesus, no way. 
you need to be quiet because that's not what we're doing. Okay, I mean, sure, 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 sure. Back in the day, like when we first started following you, like, like it was like wherever you go, whatever you want us to do, we'll just, we just want to be fishers of men. But Jesus, listen, if you start talking about hard stuff, like if you make following you hard and you keep talking like that, you know what? You're going you're to run people off. And so Peter rebuked him when Jesus started talking about the fact that it was going to be a little more difficult to follow Jesus. So Jesus wants to teach Peter and the disciples a lesson. And so look what he does, verse 32. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, so Peter rebukes him. And then what does it say Jesus does? He looks around to make sure all the disciples, the whole rest of the team are listening. And so he sa- it says, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he looks right at Peter and he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, why? Because you do not have the mind, uh, the, the, in, your, in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So watch this. In one moment, Peter gets it right. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And in the very next moment, Peter gets it wrong. He misses the point completely. Why? Because he had his, his eyes on, 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 instead of the things of God, he had his eyes on the human concerns. He had his eyes on the soft benefits of following Jesus. Church, listen, how easy it is, isn't it? To slip into that. How easy it is to do that in our world today. To slip into, into easy Christianity. It's so easy for us to, to slip into consumer Christianity, isn't it? Where we walk around with this unconscious thought in our mind of, well, what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for me? Is there going to be air conditioning or no air conditioning? Is the coffee going to be good and hot or not? Them, those, are those last week's cookies or no? What are we talking about? This is make or break. Need to know. Before I show up. How long is it going to last? What, wait. Is it going to be crowded? I ain't sitting in overflow. I ain't doing the overflow thing. I ain't watching the video teacher on video. Church, listen, if there's one thing God showed me on our sabbatical, it is that God has not done all of this over these first 16 years of our church so that you and I can just rock back on our heels and coast and have an easy life. That is not what we're doing, Next Level Church. That's not what we're doing. So when we were in Australia uh, a few weeks ago with our family, we were in Sydney, and we went to the Taronga Zoo, which is the, the zoo there in Sydney. And it's across Sydney Harbor, so it's really, really, really cool zoo. So you take a, a boat, a ferry boat, across the harbor, and then they literally let you out. You get on a sky ride, and they built the zoo on the side of a mountain. And you take a sky ride up to the top, and the entrance to the zoo is at the top of the mountain. And you get out, and you check in, and you go through, and then you spend the whole day walking down the zoo, seeing all of these animals everywhere. It was so cool going to all the shows. And then you end up back at the boat dock and they take you back across the harbor. It's the coolest thing. 
Well, in, in Australia, these shoes called wheelies are popular. Anybody remember these? They were popular about 10 years ago. My, my kids were small. They had some. Wheels, they have wheels in the heels. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, wheels in the heels. We need some wheels in the heels. And so the kids, they're, they're very popular in Australia right now. And so we're at this zoo that's on, built on a hill. And all day long, me and my American family are walking around in our non-Healy existence. And all of these little kids in their wheelie existence are walking for a few steps. And then they go, and they jump back on their heels. And they're like, and they're just cruising around us. And finally, at one point, I'm like, I'm about to stick my foot up. I'm not doing that. I'm just kidding. Church, listen, is it possible that so many of us have ever so subtly adopted that kind of approach to our faith life? That instead of walking the walk, now we're just cruising. Now we're just ever so subtly rocked back on our heels. I just, I just need to walk a couple steps every so often, and then I can just roll. I don't have to go fast. I can just cruise in my relationship with Jesus. I'm good. Church, listen, I am here this weekend to tell you that Jesus wants us to live all in. That he does not want us to rock back on our wheelie heelies and just go cruising and floating around. That's not what God has for us. God's looking for a white hot on fire church. That is willing to deny themselves and charge their cities and their neighborhoods and their workplaces every day with the love of Jesus. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Go back to the text. Go back to the text. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. The next five verses that are very, very famous passage of Jesus teaching are built. They are predicated on the first verses that we just read. Okay. So, so let me recap. Peter gets it right. Peter gets it wrong. Jesus rebukes him. Okay. We all clear? Say, look at the person sitting next to you and say, I'm clear. Now look at the person you just ignored and say, you clear? Come on, tell him. You clear? Ask him. You clear? You clear, bro? You clear? Peter gets it right. Peter gets it wrong. Jesus rebukes him. Verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd. So it's bad enough that he rebukes Peter in front of the disciples. Then he goes, oh, hang on. Hey, everybody, come here. Go get everything. So the whole crowd gathers around. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And look what he says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Say deny themselves. Must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Verse 36. What good is it? Jesus asked for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. What will one give in exchange for their soul? Verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, some things never change. The Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. Okay, so what's happening? Jesus makes it real clear. 
in these verses that following him is not a cakewalk at a school carnival. That's not what we're doing. He makes it real clear that following him costs us something. In fact, he makes it so clear that it will cost us our life. See, I think God is less concerned of will we die for him, and he's more concerned, especially for those of us in the American church, of will we live for him. In church, I got to tell you that as I read these verses several weeks ago, and I spent time with God, I feel like this was a word for our church. That comfort, casual, easy Christianity has got to go. Because there's so much at stake. So here's, here's three thoughts. Three thoughts I want to give you. Three thoughts I want to give you tonight. Three thoughts on this passage. Here's the first one. Number one. Everyone say number one. There's a mission. Say it. Come on. There's a mission. Come on. Look at the person next to you. Tell them. There's a mission. There's a mission. We're on a mission. We're on a mission. There's a mission, everybody. Jesus makes it real, real clear that there is a mission. And we, his church, are on it. So... Uh, I, got, I got saved. I gave my life to Christ when I was 15, and I turned 16 that summer, felt called to ministry. And so uh, Sarah, same thing, really, same story, called to ministry, just felt like we just were on fire for God as teenagers. And so as a teenager, we had uh, some family friends. And um, uh, this, this family friend of ours, nice guy, he was older and kind of quirky, but whatever. Uh, quirky is a Christian word for weird. <laughs> I'm just telling you, write it down. Glossary O terms, <laughs> colon. And so I remember one night, he knew we were into the church thing, into the, the Jesus thing, you know. So I remember we were, he was trying to relate, and he, we were at this dinner one night, and he looked at me, and he, he goes, Matt, and he, you know, I, I think it's great that you're spreading the good cheer. <laughs> good cheer? Hey, church, guess what? This ain't good cheer, okay? What we're doing ain't just about well wishes and making people feel good, okay? We're not spreading the good cheer. Jesus didn't call us to spread the good cheer. He called us to spread the good news, which is that God loves the world so much that he sent his only son so that you and I, the whole world, could know his love, that ain't good cheer. That's good news. And by the way, that's good preaching. Come on, look at somebody say, that's good preaching. Look at the other person on the other side and say, that duffer's sweating. He's working up there, okay? Okay? Hey, listen. Wife, listen. Hashtag hotter than you. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hotter than you. I wish I had a sweat rag, but whatever. <laughs> Church, listen, this ain't about the good cheer, okay? It's not. It's not about good cheer. It's about the gospel. Church, listen, the Bible makes it clear that heaven is a real place and so is hell. And we believe in this church that everyone spends eternity somewhere and we also believe that the local church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. We believe that, that we, are the, we are the ones who are called to take Jesus, the message of hope, to the whole world. That's us. So church, listen, I hope you got some rest while Sarah and I were gone. 
because we're back. And I'm just telling you, we are ready to run into the harvest field like crazy. And let me tell you why. Because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but our world is jacked up. And no program or political agenda or anything else is going to change it. The only thing that is going to change our world is the message of Jesus Christ and God's love for mankind. Amen? That's the only thing. We're not spreading the good cheer. We're spreading the good news of the love of God. So number one, we're on a mission. Everyone say, we're on a mission. Number two, say number two. It ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy. Listen, I know I've used the word ain't a lot this weekend. And my mom, who was a school teacher, would not be happy. But that's okay. I'm willing to endure the wrath of my mom. One, one uh, weekend I was wearing these blue jeans that have like holes in them. And my mom was in the service, and I was out in the foyer afterwards greeting people. And I, my mom walked up and gave me a hug, and I said, Mom, what do you think of my jeans? And she goes, not much. <laughs> What's up, Joe? Mom's name is Joe, by the way. It ain't going to be easy. Jesus said, there is a mission that we're on, the Father's mission to get the, to get the, get the gospel, the good news to the whole world. And it's not going to be easy. Look what Jesus said, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, read it again. Then he called this crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. And he doesn't say take up your lazy boy. It doesn't say take up your parking space and your nice little seat in church. In the late service, five rows in, three seats deep. Doesn't say that. Jesus said, anyone who wants to follow me has to deny themselves and take up their cross. Church, we're called to take up a cross. Not a cause. Not a comfort. We're called to take up our cross and follow him for whoever wants to save their life must lose it. And whoever's willing to lose their life Give their life, invest their life for this mission. Jesus said, well, I got something special for them. So church, listen, there's a mission and it ain't going to be easy. And on this day, on this hillside, Jesus is setting Peter and the disciples and the crowd that was gathered there. And every single one of us who are listening in 2,000 years later, he is setting them straight and us straight once and for all. That following Jesus isn't about an easy life. It's not about the perks. It's not about comfort. So come on, church, what about us? Have we allowed ourselves to slip into comfort mode in our relationship with God? Well, how do we know? How do we know, Matt? Well, we know we've slipped into comfort mode in our relationship with God when we're, when we're more focused on ourselves and our comfort and we've forgotten about the fact that the world around us is lost. When we start to subconsciously, and we would never say these things out loud, of course, but we, ever so subtly in our mind, we start, to, we start to think things like, you know what, it doesn't matter that my neighbors are lost as long as the sermon isn't too long. It doesn't matter that, that, my, that my coworkers don't know Jesus as long as the auditorium's not too crowded and I don't have to sit in overflow. It doesn't matter that my family members' lives are a wreck long as I'm comfortable. 
As long as I'm getting my needs met. It doesn't matter that that there's a suicide epidemic among teenagers in our world today. And as long as church lets out of time so that I I don't have to wait in line at the restaurant. Doesn't matter that people are being shot within, literally within blocks of our dream center in downtown Fort Myers. And the children in our, our communities are growing up thinking that drugs, poverty, and violence are normal. Doesn't matter. As long as the speaker up front's funny. See, those subtle mindsets start to creep in, and we know that ever so, ever so subtly, we've rocked back on our wheelies. We're just coasting again. Consumer Christianity, comfortable Christianity, easy Christianity. And church, listen, if it feels like I'm in your business this weekend, it's because I am. And here's the reason why. Because a few weeks ago on my sabbatical, God got in my business big time. Because listen, church, I'll be honest with you. There have been seasons of my life. And listen, I'm a professional Christian. I get paid to do this. Some of you will get that on the ride home. And you'll be like, that was really jovial. Church, listen, there there have been seasons of my life. Where Satan has tried to get me complacent. There have been seasons in my life where it's been like, well, Matt, don't worry about the church as much. But church, I'm just telling you, God got in my business over these last weeks. And God reminded me in very, very clear, stern terms that the church is the hope of the world. We are God's plan A and there is no plan B. That people are hurting and broken, and we have the answer. So there is a mission. It ain't going to be easy. Number three, everyone say number three. It comes down to a choice. Come on, say it. It comes down to a choice. It comes down to a choice. There's a mission. It ain't going to be easy. But guess what? It comes down to a choice. And here's the choice. Jesus talks about it, verse 36. Look at it again. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world? And you missed the point. See, Jesus lands on a question that all of us must answer this weekend. And here's the question. What are we going to choose to gain? Because all of us are about gaining things in our life, aren't we? Every one of us. There's no person on planet Earth who doesn't want to better themselves, who doesn't want to gain, who doesn't want to take ground. And see, Jesus makes it clear that every one of us have a choice about what we're going to choose to gain. And really, there are three choices. The first choice is the world's choice. Because the world has a vision of what we should be gaining. The world has a vision. Did you know that? The world we live in has a vision for your life. The world wants you to gain fame and fortune and wealth and power, prestige, privilege, security, That's the world's vision of what we we should be gaining in our life, what we should be giving our lives to. Did you know the devil has a vision for your life? Do you know what the devil's vision of gain is for your life? Easy Christianity. Keep it comfortable. Don't get messy. Don't get dirty. Roll in two minutes before the end of the third song. Slip out right before the offering. Just stay lukewarm. See, that's the devil's vision of gain for your life. 
But did you know God the Father has a vision for gain in your life? And you know what the God the Father's vision for us is as his children? That lost people would be found. That found people would become free. And free people would get focused on the mission of God. Lost people found. Found people free. Free people focused. And I'm just telling you, that's the path that comes with incredible heavenly rewards, by the way. Church, God told me on sabbatical what Satan's strategy is for our church. And that is to keep 3,000 people lukewarm, complacent, and comfortable for the gospel's sake. That's his strategy. And <laughs> See, Satan doesn't care if Matt and Sarah are on fire for God. Satan will even, he'll even concede our staff of 45 or 50, or even, Satan will even concede a couple hundred of our key leaders being fired up for the mission of God if it means that 2,800 people are lukewarm. You know what scares the devil to death? 3,000 people who call Next Level Church their home in Southwest Florida getting fired up for God. See, that's the devil's strategy for every one of us. Forget the 3,000. Let's talk about one. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about you. What about us? I'm just telling you, church, we're going to be a church that's on the Father's mission from now on. We're going to get after it. So here's my question. You all in? Are you all in? Because people are dying and going to hell. Matt, that's not a very politically correct way to say that. I know. We got to start talking in truth terms. There's an eternity and everybody will spend it somewhere. What are we doing about it? So three challenges this weekend. Get found, get free, get focused. Get found, get free, get focused. Come on, say it together. Get found, get free, get focused. One more time. Get found, get free, and get focused. Here's what that means. If you're in one of our services this weekend and you're lost, you're not in relationship with God, then your step is you got to get found. God brought you here this weekend to the service you're in right now so you can get found. He loves you that much that he arranged your steps to be in the room you're in right now so that you could say yes to a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But number two, we got to get free. See, salvation happens in an instant, and Jesus sets us free from our sin, but the stuff of our past has to be dealt with. And so church, next weekend, you're going to hear us. We're, gonna, we're, we're rolling out. We're opening up registration for our freedom groups this fall. And this is something brand new that we're doing this past spring. We had about 150 of, our, of our, our leaders go through our freedom curriculum that God has just downloaded to us. And I'm just telling you, because some of us got hangups. Some of us got habits that you, you're, a, you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. But you got this, this addiction thing. You got this attitude thing. And you know what I'm talking about. You're in the house, but the house, there's dirty corners in your heart. Does that make sense? Well, Jesus is, is, loves you where you are, but he's not content to leave you there. And so that's what our freedom groups this fall are going to be about. So we're going to open registration. So listen, a lot of you, hundreds of you, your next step is to get free. 
in Jesus' name. That's why one of our, our number one, our first core value of our church is set free to be. Because we can never become everything Jesus wants us to become in our life if we're not free, if we're not living in freedom. If we're walking around with weights in our backpack and, and you know, ankle weights around us, we're, and we're just barely slugging by, guess what? We can't, we can't be effective for the gospel's sake. So Jesus wants us free. Get frowned. Get free. Number three, get focused on the Father's mission. What are you going to do about it? What's your next step? You hear us talk all the time about Empowerment Track. Listen, I'm just telling you, we are going to keep beating that drum because that is a three-week group that will help you discover who God made you, how he wired you, and allow you to be able to start serving the, the local church, serving God's mission on the earth in, in a way that is fulfilling for you because God made you you. So listen, if you've never been to Empowerment, you need to go mission trip. You heard on the video last weekend, we got mission trips coming. Listen, some of you, God spoke to my heart about this. For some of you listening to me this right now, listen, here's the deal. Your faith is so complacent that right now, God is speaking to you that he's going to have to get you to another country to light the fire again in your heart. So some of you, your step is a mission trip. Some of you, it's baptism. We've got baptism coming up in a couple weeks. You've never been water baptized? All in. It's time. Some of you, you got to get serving. Some of you, you were serving. you got to get back on a team or you've never served at Next Level. Listen, we, <laughs> when we got back last weekend, Sarah and I were standing in the foyer uh, after a lot of services. And so many of you came walking up to us and said, man, we've been attending this church nine months. And we've never met you. We've been in this church two years. I had one lady come up to me. And she said, we've been in this church five years. And I looked right at her and I said, that's so awesome. Where are you serving? So church, listen, I'm just telling you, by the way, newsflash, if you walk up to any of our staff who have the little, little, what are those, tags, thank you, on, or any of our volunteer serve teams, it's happening, it starts right now, by the way, I'm making a new policy, right now, and you, they have a lanyard on, and you, you say anything to them, here's what you're going to hear, they're going to ask you one or two questions, have you been to Empowerment Track, and where are you serving, because we got a mission, we got to be on the Father's mission. All right, let's pray. If, you, if, you, if you're not found, it's time to get found. Can we bow our heads? Come on, everyone. I want to invite our campus pastors to come on stage with me. If you're in this, in this place, wherever you are, and you don't know Jesus, good news. That's why he sent. That's why he came to earth to die on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven. And I just want to give you a chance to respond to that. We're, you know us. We're not going to embarrass you or whatever. I just want to ask you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you just raise your hand right now? Come on. One, two, three. Wherever you're at. Come on. Put it up. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Just say yes. Keep it up for a second. Come on. Every room. Every room. Bonita, Gateway, Fort Myers. Every room. Jesus, I'm just going to pray as the spokesperson for every single person who's lifting their hand right now. God, we're, we're lost. In our sin, God, your, your word says that we are all sinners and, and that we need a Savior. That means we're, we've missed the mark. That means we're imperfect. And so we admit that right now by lifting our hand. And then, God, we just admit that we need a Savior. And so we ask you, God, that, 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 to forgive us of our sin, wash us white as snow. And, Lord, we want to begin a relationship with you. So we do that now, right now. Come into our life. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean. Make us a new creation. No longer orphans, but sons and daughters of God. That's what you called us. And so, Lord, we're in the family of God now. 
Simply as a, by receiving the free gift of eternal life, we say yes to you in Jesus' name. Now, for every single person staying in this atmosphere of prayer, listen, God's calling you to take a next step. There's a mission. It ain't going to be easy, and we got to get on it. What are you doing about it? What are you doing? Come on, right where you're seated, open your hands in front of you. Just open your hands. It's a posture of receptivity. Heavenly Father, our hearts and minds are open. Speak to us. Lord, you're speaking to some of us to be baptized. You're speaking to some of us to, to go on a mission trip. You're speaking to some of us to lean back in and to get involved. Some of us, many of us, hundreds of us to go to empowerment track next month to get signed up, to go to the next steps, to, to kiosks and get signed up right now. Lord Jesus, you're speaking to us, God, to get on a serve team, to, to really start using our gifts, our talents, our passions, our abilities for you. And so, God, our hands are open because our hearts are open. Because this weekend we've been convicted that there is a mission. It ain't going to be easy, but you've called us to get focused on it. So, Lord, with open hands and an open heart, we declare that we are all in. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. Come on, can we celebrate God? Woo! Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Amen.